Hey, and welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I'm your host, Courtney, and I'm super passionate about moving and thinking. On this show, we are going to dive into all things health, fitness, personal development, lifestyle, and political sociocultural. I've always been fascinated by people and I love learning from the experiences and stories of others. This has been a treat for me and I hope this is enjoyable and useful for you. As always, if you have any questions, comments, or any way that I can make this a better experience for you, please don't hesitate to reach out. Hello, welcome to the Courtney Turner Podcast. I am here today with Jeremy Sladen. He is a former pro ball player turned rooftop salesman, and he is now a freedom fighter and a fellow podcaster. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Courtney. Thanks for having me on. And make sure I'm glad you said rooftop. I'm not selling a roof bottom. I'm selling the, the top of the roof. <laughs> Rooftop salesman. I've never heard anybody say that. Obviously, you're not from roofing, but but hey, I'll take it. Yeah, roof bottom salesman. <laughs> well, it is a rooftop, is it not? It, it, well, it's on the top of the building. People do say rooftop, but I've just yeah. never heard anybody say, oh, you, you sell rooftops. <laughs> well, yeah. It oh. works. It works. The audience gets it, right? <laughs> what? I said the audience will get it. They will get it. Let's hope 100%. so. Hundred yeah. percent. Oh yeah. I I've apparently screwed up quite a bit today. So. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Well, so then I'm I'm in, I'm in good I'm in good company. Then I don't have to be perfect. The, the, the bar is low right now, right? <laughs> but yeah, you, you're you, you're you definitely do not have to be perfect. The, the bar is set very low. But well, I think you're going to far exceeded, so I'm not really all that worried. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but how are how are you? How are how are things going for you today? I'm, do, I'm doing well. It's a very interesting time in my life right now. Like you said, going from being an athlete to to being a you know a commercial roofing salesman for a manufacturer, uh, and then leaving oh, wow. my job. You know, I guess it was it's been three months now. I left my job, so not taking income at the moment. Working on. Oh. You know, being a husband, father, getting, you know, the, the home life, making sure that's squared away, but things like, you know, getting insurance and all that stuff after you leave a job, it's a hectic time is what I'm trying to say, but it's yeah. a good time every day right now is an adventure. And I feel like I'm on a mission that I really care about a lot more than selling rooftops. So, yeah. <laughs> so things, things are, things are, things are good. Things are good. 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 Yeah. That we're not going to let that one go. <laughs> no, never. In fact, I'm going to use that with, you know, every time somebody, what'd you used to do? I sold rooftops. They'll be like, is that different than roofs? <laughs> no, same thing. I just like to say tops. So you are, uh, you are now uh, a freedom fighter. So what do you think are some of the biggest things that are plaguing our Republic and what are some things that people can do? Well, I think number one, and I'm going to use a phrase that Reagan used a long time ago, but I think we are truly fighting right now the, the greatest enemy in mankind's history in our long climb from the swamp to the stars. And the reason I feel that way is because we don't really know exactly who the enemy is. We know that it's a global enemy for those who are awake. It's well beyond right now. Uh, well, Sean Hannity's right and Rachel Maddow's wrong or vice versa. You know, that that's that that layer they want you to see. And I think there's some truth in fighting at that level in terms of moral and culture war kind of stuff. Yeah. It is a true argument that they are having. But behind that, who owns those networks? Who owns the world? There's a great documentary that came out not too long ago called Who Owns the World? Yeah. And it talks about really it comes down to two companies, uh, Vanguard and I think BlackRock, maybe. Yeah. Was it those two? 
Yeah. So it's BlackRock and then uh, Vanguard owns the majority shareholder of BlackRock and the majority shareholders of Vanguard are owned by uh, the office families, which are essentially like the same 13 families. Yeah. There you go. So the 13 families. And the thing is, you know, your, your typical, let's say, conservative Christian Republican in America that, you know, loves our military, loves this country, red, white and blue hand over their heart. They don't even know that, you know, they just think, well, let's just get Trump back in office or let's just get, you know, may maybe Trump was too uh, inflammatory. Maybe DeSantis will run. That's kind of what they think. They think, well, then it'll be solved. No, 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 it won't be solved. It'll help. It'll help. Because I think Trump was a thorn in the flesh of of the globalists. Right. But I, so that's why I said earlier, I think part of my job is to open eyes, to raise awareness. And I'm on this journey, too. So, Courtney, you're, you've been in this game a lot longer than I have. You're going to know more than me. So I want your audience to know that up front. But I think I come at it from a perspective of I've done a lot of things in my life between coming from a lower uh, lower class family when when my parents first started out. I mean, we were on food stamps. My I was born out of, out of wedlock. Like there was all this uh, tough stuff that my parents had to walk through and having no money, no help. And but they, with hard drive, grit and determination, you know, it sounds cheesy, yeah. but it's true. They yeah. did live the American dream and they they proved that hard work and, and belief in God, belief in themselves. You could really make it in this country. So I saw economically as a kid, I, I saw every stage in that to where my parents now would definitely be upper class as far as wealth, you know. Yeah. Um, so that that's that's a good thing. And I can't remember exactly where I was going with that. But oh, oh all the different aspects of life. So I've seen that. Then I really strove for something in my life, and that was to be a major league baseball player. And I got really, really close. I got triple A, you know, big league spring training right on the cusp. I had an injury, and that injury basically knocked me out of, of that dream. And it was right. I mean, I was, you know, a hair away, a breath away from making it. Um, and right at the top of playing the best baseball I'd ever played. So I, I know what it's like to really struggle and to not achieve your dream, to have to really, you know, swallow your, your, your pride and your dreams and have a loss of identity. I've been through addiction. I've been through uh, having no money and having to build myself up. I mean, all of those things. And then getting into the, the corporate world and selling rooftops to, 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 to governments. You know, I think our, our main client with the company I was with was governments and major corporations. So I rubbed elbows with a lot of those people at the local level, the county level in Atlanta, and then in Nashville. And I saw the, I saw the jaded nature of a lot of those employees as well, who they were kind of stuck in the system and they didn't even agree with their own government's decisions. Now, these are the facility managers, people like that. Um, you know, kind of your, your blue collar group of people that, that really think that, man, this whole system is screwed up. Sort of what, what's the parks and rec guy. I forget his name. The, 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 uh, Ron Swanson. I don't know if you, did you ever see parks and rec the show? Yeah. 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 But it's like, he works for the government, but he hates government. Right. Right. So I, I dealt with that guy all the time and I learned a lot from those people. So for me, I can't remember your original question, but I'm in this fight as a freedom fighter because I think I bring a lot to the table in terms of just having lived a whole lot of life, the ups, the downs as an American, you know, and seeing the American dream happen, having heartache myself with not quite making it to the big, all that stuff. Right. So right. I put that in a big package and I felt the call of God on my heart saying, you really need to, you've got a lot on your mind. You've got a lot you want to say. It's time for you to get out there and say it. And, you know, it's not been easy. Um, there's, there's been a lot of fallout with people who don't exactly uh, think that I'm taking the right approach, but by just basically speaking truth since the dawn of man. <laughs> oh, I do remember the original question. It was, um, 
you know, what do we do about this? Yeah. I really think we all, we have to come together the way the trucker convoy, the freedom convoy happened, uh, the way that like in the mandates rally in DC recently, people coming together as a group and saying, we are no longer going to comply. And if you try to force us, we will burn this to the ground. And yes, that sucks. But here's the thing. If we don't, if we're not willing to do that, they will burn it to the ground eventually. So there's going to be fallout either way. And right now we're in this massive, massive game of chicken between the 13 families, the, the, the Black Rocks, the Vanguards, the Davos crew, the Bilderbergs, all of those. We're, there, there's that group of people, which is like 0.001% of our uh, total population. Then you've got 99.999% over here. And, but the thing is, if they're not awake, then all they're going to want to do is hope Sean Hannity's right and hope a Republican gets elected. No, things will go back to normal because they believe that this is just, uh, you know, things always swing back and forth and we're just in another one of those times and it'll go back to the way it was. No, it's never going to go back to the way it was. Right, right, for sure. Um, Sorry for the tirade. No, I'm so glad there was so much time back in that. Um, I'm curious about like your, uh, you, were, you were saying that you're you're new to this, but that you're, you're clearly in the fight. And I, I think you're, you've advanced pretty quickly. You've been on the fast track, Thank but you. I'm curious what your um, trajectory was. Like, have you always kind of had, you were saying how things are very different now. It's not, you know, this person's right, this person's wrong in terms of the media. Um, you know, it's definitely a different game now. So I'm curious what kind of woke you up and where, how your views have shifted. Yeah, it's well, my my moral grounding and my faith grounding has not shifted. It's only gone deeper because as I've had to sacrifice and lose things myself, I mean, not taking an income right now and hemorrhaging money every day, I've got to get on my knees and pray that God is going to work out this this um, this puzzle right now. Uh, that's probably a clumsy way to put it, but this, you know, adventure that is my life. <laughs> I can't keep doing this forever. Uh, you know, a good way to put it is, is like Jesus feeding the 5,000, you know, there wasn't enough to feed the crowd, but he said, just bring what you have, bring it to me, bring what you have to me. And then he did the, the miraculous work. So I'm not saying I'm totally waiting on a miracle, but if I don't have God, this thing's not going to happen. So again, off, maybe off topic of what you asked, Oh, but, but the, the awakening that's happened. So it's been a, it's been a process. Mm-hmm. And I think American values in general have been under attack since the sixties. I mean, before that, I mean, Satan's been on the attack in the divine conspiracy against all of us against God since the dawn of man. But let's just say, you know, generally recent history since the sixties, since JFK was assassinated, uh, probably by our own government actors, you know, since, since all that has happened, there's been a degradation of Christian morality. Mm -hmm. And since I was born in 1982, I've definitely seen that happen. And now you look at businessmen who 15 years ago would have completely laughed or scoffed or thought this will never happen where like the, you know, transgenders, we have to applaud. Like every time we see them, they would have just thought like, that's a complete joke. It'll never happen. All that stuff. Now you see them calling people by their pronouns, those same men. So I'm not saying that we don't need to be kind, but we also don't need to completely devaluate our values in order to accommodate the left. So that's that kind of slow. I think all conservatives have been on that same journey. But then it's a matter of the, these, these little touch points, these, these moments in time, like the day after the 2020 uh, 
November 4th, the next morning you woke up and everything Trump had said, like, you know what, there's a, there's a high chance, even though we're winning right now, that we're going to wake up tomorrow morning. And what happens if all these machines now say that all these, these uh, keystone states that we have to win, that we're now losing? Well, that exact thing happened. And Fox News you know, supposedly the conservative, you know, news network, they're the first one to call Arizona. And, you know, the Murdoch family, they own Fox News. Yep. Well, one of the daughters of Rupert Murdoch that next morning tweeted it out. Congratulations, America. We did it. We, we did it. Right. And mm-hmm. she's one of the, the owners or in the family. I don't know how much share she has in it, or, but, but that okay. says something. And that I think moments like that awaken us. But for, for me, uh, Courtney, it, it was really kind of a matter of looking back at history and questioning things like JFK's assassination, like the Titanic sinking, um, starting to learn more about the secret societies and how they always seem to have a hand in what's going on. Those things were a wake up call where it's like, OK, I can, one coincidence, two coincidence, three coincidences. OK, maybe still a coincidence, but like three thousand three hundred thirty three coincidences. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that was a big awakening. However, I want to say this. Yeah. I will never be one that believes that every single thing that happens is a conspiracy. And there's, there's always this, you know, dagger behind the cloak. I'm not one of those. I had somebody yesterday that told me, you know, Billy Graham's a 30, the the famous evangelist, 33rd degree Mason, actually a Satan worshiper. I don't, I don't believe it. I I would have to see better proof than the proof he was able to provide me. Right. Um, You know, which is like a moment in time where he said something on a show once that really seemed to be muddying the waters of traditional Christian faith. And yeah, he, he made a poor statement there. Um, And yes, he was friends with a lot of the presidents uh, friends, but his argument, uh, let me say this. His argument was Billy Graham had access to all the presidents. Now, how would that be? And I would say, well, Daniel, in the old Testament had access through his wisdom and discernment and the gifts that God had given him to not only a president of a Christian nation, but the King of an extremely non-Christian nation. He was brought in as one of the wise sages, Jesus, Herod wanted to meet Jesus because of what he had heard about him. Right. And I'm not not talking about the baby killer Herod. I'm talking about before Jesus crucifixion, you know, Pilate sent him to Herod and Herod was says he was delighted to meet Jesus. Right. So I, I'm, I want to say all that to say I'm not one that thinks that every single thing out there is a conspiracy. Those people actually do damage to the truth, I think. Mm-hmm. It, that's interesting. I mean, there's definitely I mean, not everything is a conspiracy. Um, a, a lot there is, I do believe, a coordinated uh, conspiracy. I think it's pretty hard to deny that at this point. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm not and I'm not disagreeing with that. Yeah, I'm just saying that Justin Bieber is not a 33rd degree Mason, mostly because he's not old enough to have gone that far. Okay. Like now he may do, he may do this and you know what? Somebody will screen capture that if I ever make it big and they'll say, look, he's a 33rd degree Mason. He's a Satan worshiper because he did the six and assembled it. But because, because those, those celebrities now, I do think that a lot of them are, they're like, Hey, take a picture like this and they do it. And they are, they are involved. Uh, You know, they, they probably got a, pretty good idea of what's going on. And I'm not talking about Jay-Z and Beyonce. I think they're all in, <laughs> but I'm talking about, you know, every single celebrity out there is, is not uh, knowingly some kind of 33rd degree Mason and a Satan worshiper directly. So not if, I don't think everybody necessarily in Hollywood is knowingly, um, but the thing is that it's kind of the analogy that I use is you talk about the secret societies, right? So yeah. there, it's kind of like for fraternities and sororities, 
you know, when you're, I, I wasn't in one, but I know how they work. And, you know, when you do an initiation, you don't necessarily know what happens at like the senior class, right? Yeah. So, but you're still being initiated and you're still, you still have to make sacrifices. You still yeah. have to do things to be accepted and to be yeah. admitted. Um, so I think there's a, there's an element of that where yeah. there's still control that doesn't necessarily mean, and I, I too have this issue with like, everybody's controlled opposition, you know, and they're like this dark yeah. wizard kind of sorcerer kind of character. I hear it all the time. And I think we start to lose the hum- human element of things. Yeah. Um, when you, you know, just like, I don't think people should be worshiped. They shouldn't be demonized either. Um, You know, they are human. There are people who are truly corrupt and, you know, who are really doing dark things. But well, well, I think there's a there's a there's a fine line here between you can you cannot be a part of any secret society and be heavily controlled by Satan and corrupt and in sin in your life and bringing others. You know, when Jesus said, uh, you know, it'd be better for a millstone to be tied around their neck than to, to lead one of these little ones astray. Well, there's people doing that all the time that have nothing to do with any secret society anywhere. So you don't have to be involved in a known cult in order to be doing the work of the devil. I've done the work of the devil on many days in my life, and I'm ashamed of that. And I've repented of that. But it's just, you know, it doesn't mean that I'm a part of a, you know, a, a secret society. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And there are people who are controlled, but there, uh, there are people who are exploited. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're... Yes you know, that they're the ones behind the machine or that they even know what the bigger agenda is. That's, that's right. And that's, you know, to me, that would be a good example. That might be like a Justin Bieber. I think he's very exploited, probably pretty controlled. And, and I think he's been, he's old enough now. He probably has a pretty good idea of what's going on, you know? So. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and again, I, I've not, I've not studied deeply into all these names I'm throwing out there. I'm just giving a general opinion. Yeah. Yeah. So, what I guess, what are your thoughts then on uh, the culture and how that is affecting what's going on right now? So that's a good question. There's a lot of layers to that. Um, do you, give me a little more specifics than what you mean. You're talking about the way that we're being controlled in terms of the high levels and what we do about it. I definitely want to hear your thoughts on that, but I was actually really referring more to, because you brought up some of these like Hollywood icons, right? And how yeah. they, uh, so to the degree they have a huge impact on the culture. I, yeah. I'm curious. What well, you can only control, you know, the decisions that you like, I've got two little boys upstairs mm-hmm. and right now while they're under my roof, you know, I control what they can see and what they can't see. So I think that's very important as parents to be yeah. very cognizant and aware and not stupid because a lot of parents are just stupid and they're like, Oh, you know, we'll let them listen to Beyonce or whatever. They, they, they were friends with the Obamas. And that's since, since Obama was the president, even though I'm, and I'm talking like an aloof parent, like, even though I voted Republican and I don't really like Obama, he was a president. He can't be that bad. So let him listen to Beyonce. You know what I mean? Right. It's just this, this um, very naive approach. And then pretty soon um, th- those, that messaging, you know, and I hear about the vibrations in the music and the messaging really instills itself. I can say this when I was a, a ball player, And I found myself going deeper and deeper into sin and into what I thought was freedom. Now, this is me as a Christian guy. Okay. I'm so you can't argue with me because it's personal experience here. Um, But as I was going further and further down that road, music played a big role in that the club scene, just loving to get in my car, 
you know, and, and, and feel just the, the, the base beating and knowing like, I'm going to go out and have a blast tonight, you know, and it's it, it kind of anonymous because you're in an unknown town. And I, I wasn't a famous person. Um, but, but there's just this, this excitement that goes with that. If you're wired, like, like me, you know, it's, it's really the party scene, but I just think music plays a huge role and movies do as well, but there's something about music. I think there was a great Greek philosopher, uh, might've been even Socrates or one of those who said like, whoever control said connection lost. That was my keyboard said like whoever controls like the rhythms of the culture and, and the songs of the culture um, really has more power than the government. I probably botched that, but generally speaking, that, that is what, you know, this famous Greek philosopher said, yeah. <laughs> now you can go look up the quote and say it better. I'm going to have to look it up. I actually don't yeah. know which philosopher that is. Um, might've been Aristotle. It was one of the Greek philosophers that talked about the rhythms and the songs of a culture are more important than the government. And it's that idea of, um, like yeah, politics are downstream from culture. So if you control culture, eventually you'll, you'll gain hold of the politics. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, that's, sorry, I, th I think, you know, waking people up to, to what is going on with, you know, peeling back those layers, yeah. having them be responsible adults, especially yeah. with their children. Um, and then being very active, you know, I, I'm, I'm guilty of this. I've not done a great job of being active locally. And part of that is I want to be in this world that you're in. And it's, it's, you know, it's hard to, to interview local people and have that have a mass appeal unless they've got some kind of project Veritas type, you know, whistleblowing story. Right. Um, so really you've got to kind of go to the events and meet people like James Lindsay, like you met now he's a Tennessee guy, but I'm using him. He's a nationally known example. So if you bring him on, there's right. going to be people in California and Alaska and, you know, even in other countries that will know, Oh, I want to hear this guy, James Lindsay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hopefully so they that, hear it because I butchered the video, but <laughs> well, they'll hear it. They'll hear it. But my point is that has actually also worked against me in being involved in local stuff. Um, because right now I've got to create a platform. I've got to create a name, but people all the time are trying to reel me back in like, Jeremy, can you please come support me at this event or at this legislative hearing or, or whatever? And I want to be there, but it's, it's kind of not my role right now, but my call to people is do get involved. We have to be the members of the school boards. We have to be the aldermen's for the counties. Um, uh, we have to run for mayor, you know, there's things like that. And there may be a point in my life where I say, you know what, I'm not really that good of a podcaster, but I do know how how to, to speak truth to a crowd and to maybe do a lot better the face-to-face -face stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe that's where I take this. So I don't know, but I do think that, you know, the common person thinks, well, what qualifications do I have to be on the school board? And I'm like, well, do you care about the kids in the community? Yes. Well, then you're probably already more qualified than the people who are on the school board. Wow. Interesting. That's a really great way to look at it. I do think that people need to get so much more involved locally yeah. uh, and people yeah. really uh, don't seem to step up to that. You know, they focus so much, like you were saying on the federal level and, yeah. uh, you know, when you're talking and that, that, that has to happen too. So all those truckers that went to Ottawa and mm -hmm. I, did, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, um, but you know, you got, hundred thousand trucks or whatever that are blocking that, that, you know, the entire network and, and the ability for people to commute all this stuff. So it's a bad thing, but they're doing it for a good reason, yep. you know, but here's the thing, like, and that's a federal kind of like, Hey, Trudeau, like get your act together, whatever. Okay. But at the end of the day, like he's got to go. And when those truckers go back home, 
Some of them need to run for office that are, that are, that have the ability that are passionate, passionate about doing it. And I'm talking about on the local level. Um, and I don't, I don't specifically mean the truckers, but I mean, all the people that are out there supporting them as well. It's like, yeah. okay, it's good to go out and get that done on the federal level. But if you really want to, to make a change, yeah. then do what the left has done for the last hundred years, get your right wing conservative tentacles in everything you know, at the local level, even if it sounds boring or whatever, like, you know, to be this, this local level, you know, politician or what have you, I shouldn't even say politician, but like school board member that that's where it has to start, you know, and you can, you can really truly make a change that way. For sure. No, absolutely. Um, yeah. I, when you talk about like the secret societies, I don't know if you're familiar with Carol Quigley, he wrote tragedy and hope. He also wrote the Anglo-American establishment, um, and he talks about how, you know, we really haven't had elections in the past hundred years. So um, would you be on, on the and this? We might disagree here, but w- yeah. that's OK. W- would you say that Donald Trump is controlled opposition? Because if you get far enough into that, you're going to start thinking, OK, even he with all the arrows he took mm-hmm. and the, the, the shockwaves that went through the mainstream media when he got elected, like, oh, well, that was on purpose. He was picked. Um, so I have nuanced, I, I obviously don't know. I don't have like the answer to that per se. Um, but I, my, my view on it is somewhat nuanced. I, I, I don't tend to subscribe to the, there, there are characters that are really obvious and you're like, okay, that's, I mean, we all know where, you know, Soros stands. We know where Klaus Schwab stands. We know where, what about, I mean, don't you think Hillary Clinton was the pick that was the one they wanted to win? I don't, I don't think they wanted Trump to win. So um, I, I think there, there's potentially, in terms of winning is a different question, but I, I think potentially it's arguable that they, they put them both up against each other. Um, I do think the better, a better way to answer this question would be to say that I do think Trump was a populist president. Um, yeah. I do think there was a huge populist movement and that that was a disruption. Um, you know, I think that it's probably not as black and white as people want to make it. I think people kind of like to make it like he's the savior and he was, you know, going against everything and he was going to save the people. Um, and then there's the other people who might, you know, say that he was, you know, completely picked, he's controlled, whatever. Um, and I actually think it's somewhere in the middle. Um, I think he made compromises that I don't, that I, I'm not in favor of. Um, I think that, you know, we're seeing him continue to make compromises that, you know, are either indicative of just ego or compromise. I don't know which one. It could be a combination of the two. two yeah. I, I really don't know, um, but I'm not thrilled with it. Um and- I th- well, I, th- I think the, the one thing the left always had right about him, and if you're honest, he's a very prideful man. So I think ego plays a huge role, especially with his continued promotion of the vaccines. My take on that is, is this. Yeah. It was the only thing that both sides, even me back back early on, I was saying like, okay, Operation Warp Speed, I hope he pulls this off, I, you know, because I was kind of, I probably wasn't aware as, as a lot of people that are in, you know, at your level, but, but I was thinking, okay, good. He needs something that both sides will say, way to go, man. And the left totally did. They were like, great job, you know? So I, I think he got fooled. I think he was completely duped by the people who were around him. Mm-hmm. And I think that for now him to go back and say, man, I really, I, I was duped. He'll never do that. He's he's far too egotistical and prideful. And I think that that's his greatest detriment. 
Yeah, I, I think that's a huge part of it. I'm not 100% sure that that's all of it, but I do think that's a huge, huge part of it. Well, what would be, and I'm curious here, what would be the side then that, that, that makes you believe that that he would want people to be taking these vaccines? You think it was paid off behind doors or what? Um, I mean, it, there could be financial interest. He has a lot invested in the pharmaceuticals. I mean, that, that's public knowledge, but I... For him, I don't think that that would be the primary motivator, but you never know what kind of threats he might be up against. You know, it's really, everybody has a price um, and that price is not always fiscal. You know, if you were to threaten, like if someone were to threaten your children, you yeah. know, they would have a lot of leverage over you, I would imagine. Sure, sure. And that, and I hold that in different regard than I do paid off or doing it for personal gain. Sure, this you is know, just it, I'm talking about the, the human element, right? So people yeah. are very quick to put people in categories. They're very quick to demonize or to worship. And you, you have to understand that these people are human. You know, what would you do in that situation? That doesn't justify the choices or the uh, actions that are taken. Um, you know, I'm still not happy with his defense of Operation Warp Speed. And, you know, a... a uh, the the thing the right thing to do in my opinion would be to say you know at the time I was all for it and look how fast we got this done and he could have all his pride and then he could acknowledge this didn't go quite the way that we wanted you know yep. there are a lot more adverse reactions than we might have anticipated um, to me that would be the honest uh, you know yeah. uh, intent integrous isn't a word, but that's the word I want to use, you know, yeah, we yeah. can handle it, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I agree with that. I, you know, did you, have you ever read Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals? Mm -hmm. Yep. One of, one of those rules is hit, hit the other side, hit the opposition, which would be us with, with so many different arrows from different categories that they really don't they, like make them fight on 30 different fronts. Right. Okay. Because yeah. then they'll have no, it'll be confusing. It'll be kind of like the fog of war. That is exactly, exactly what happened when this Operation Warp Speed started. So I think he was like, okay, I'm being called a racist. There, in every single blue city, there's these Black Lives Matter and Antifa protests. And I can't get these damn governors to just like do the logical right thing of allowing me to come in and fix it. They're still calling me a racist, saying it's, it's my fault. There was that going on, which was just insane. It just completely insane. Then there was a million other like issues, like, you know, the Brett Kavanaugh stuff. There was, there was so many things. Then there's this coronavirus. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that comes around and he correctly was calling it the CC, the, the China virus. Like he was saying things ahead of schedule. He was saying hydroxychloroquine is helpful and he was being demonized for everything. Mm -hmm. And I think you've got Fauci where he, he, and he never was like buddy, buddy with Fauci, the way that Biden is not even close, not even close. And I think that, you know, he's handed this idea. It's not like Trump was in the Pfizer labs and the Moderna labs working with the scientists to con concoct a vaccine. He's just being told, hey, we've got to push this ahead. We, we've kind of been working on this since 2016 you know, or, or, you know, they would probably even lie to him, just say whatever they're going to say. And he's like, hey, whatever, things are so nuts right now. It's election year. Yes, let's get these out and let's let's work on the campaign and that's another big one he's got to work on a campaign at the same time while he while every major institution in the country has it out for his ass you know so i just i don't buy this idea that you know he, he kind of was a part of this this scheme for the globalists to take over and kill a bunch of people in the meantime 
and he wanted to make a little extra cash or, and I'm not saying you're saying that, but there's people that are saying it. Yeah. And I think it's much more of a Sololinsky based. Let's, let's create a fog of war where they're fighting on all fronts all at once. And it leaves the, you know, a guy like him, not knowing what to do. He's just going to start signing papers saying, let's end this thing. And if a vaccine can help, then do it. Yeah. I, that's entirely possible. I mean, I really don't, I obviously don't have the answer. On well, that. I do. I just, I just gave the answer to everybody. So take it. To the <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, I, I'm kind of kidding. <laughs> um, but I do think that they, I, what I feel pretty confident about is that they were both handpicked that he was definitely picked to be the, you know, it was him and Hillary um, that much. I'm pretty confident on as far okay. as I do you think that, you know, they wanted, if I were just to like hypothesize, I think they probably did want her to win. I think that he, they, they, that's why they had to, you know, catch up with the, the margins, you know, they didn't expect him to win by as much. Um, I think yeah. that's what happened. Um, I don't think it was, that they, I, the, the, they had planned to rig it regardless, but um, that, that, that's my opinion. But yeah, I think- yeah. Well, that's, you know, and I'm not saying I'm an expert on the 2016 election, but I do think that there were already um, families, in the, the Clintons being one family. Mm -hmm. now, I'm not talking about the 13 families, but I'm talking about powerful American families. You know, you had, Jeb Bush, you had Jeb Bush in that. They're related to those families, yeah. Okay, well, they're related. But, I, but even setting that aside, the Clintons were an establishment candidate. Jeb Bush would have been an establishment candidate. And there were plenty of other establishment Republicans in that crowd that right. the moment that it would have been those that, that Hillary and, say, a Jeb Bush, the majority of conservatives would have gotten behind Jeb Bush, even if they didn't love it. And they would have wanted him to win. And we'd be sitting here saying, having pretty much the same conversation saying, well, they were both. Now, I think you would say it with more authority that Jeb Bush and Hillary Clinton were handpicked so that if either one of them won, the globalists get their way. So I think by being Trump, I, I'm not with you on that. I think that he definitely upset their apple cart more maybe than what you're saying but you know oh, I, he, because yeah, i haven't read as many books about he this. definitely upset their apple cart um and i would say what actually upset the apple cart so to speak uh more than even him i mean he did a lot of really good things for the country don't get me wrong i mean i was a huge trump fan um i don't like what he's doing now but like i was a huge supporter um but i would say that even more than him himself would be the MAGA movement that's why I say he really was a populist president. I mean, there was a huge movement and that's that's part of why so many people are waking up now. Yeah. Uh, I think so many people are starting to realize there really is, uh, it, it's a war against the people um, and it's a war against the American people. Yeah, I talked to a political scientist. Um, I actually interviewed him about six months ago and he said without kind of like you said, the, the populist MAGA movement was actually more important than Trump. He made a similar point. He said that Trump would have actually been a bad president without his supporters. It was his supporters that held his feet to the fire. And he said that Trump needed them so badly. That's why he continued to do rallies while he was president and after he's been president. Because like, yeah, anybody likes the cheers when you're hated by, you know, the rest of the world. So he needed yeah. that. Yeah. But at the same time, I think he wanted to um, bring, bring victory to those, the, the populist movement that was behind it. He wanted to give them what they, what they wanted. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would agree with that very much. So, yeah. and I do think that the, the movement was monumental. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Well, and, and the movement to me, and it's not about Trump. I think, you know, you just said that, but I think that populist movement is, is what will save us from this, but it has to go not only get about three times as big in America where it goes from 80 million people to, well, you're not going to get three times, but if we can bump it up around 150 million people, let's double it, say. Yeah. I think that's enough to make a huge, huge difference where you've got, maybe they don't even call themselves Republicans, but they say, I just don't like this anti-freedom stuff going on. That's yeah. where they, they land. So they vote for the most individual freedoms-based, constitutional-based candidate. Yeah. I think that, and also correcting the voting problems, that's a whole other bag can of worms right there. Yeah. Um, but I think that's a huge deal. And then I think going beyond our borders and we're seeing these massive gatherings. We mentioned Canada earlier, but it's happening in the UK. There, there, there was some you know, vibrations of it in Australia, but there's, there's other countries I'm sure you're aware where there's just these unbelievable drone footage uh, videos showing these huge groups and they're not covered by the mainstream yet. But if this keeps going, it's, it's really clash of the titans. It's clash between the world powers that be, those globalists, which are, again, a very small percentage, and then the populist movement of the globe. And we'll see what happens. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I do know this, and this is something that, that would probably turn a lot of people off, and I'm going to say it. These globalists are not going to give over their power without bloodshed. Without bloodshed? No. They, they've been willing to kill at a mass level to gain power. They're not going to give it up without being willing to, to kill. Now, they, will they gaslight? They'll, do, they'll make a mass out of anything that looks halfway violent from mm -hmm. our populist side. So January 6th, they'll okay. try to make a Reichstag fire. If you know, you know what the Reichstag fire is? Yeah. yeah. They'll try to do that with every, like this Canadian trucker thing. You got to be very careful because if one trucker, you know, pulls a gun or does anything, Oh, that, that will be the whole story for them. But you can only do that so many times until the mass, the critical mass of people wake up and say, wait, you're playing, you're gaslighting. Yeah. You, you, you guys are the ones that have been causing us to suffer and causing, you know, mass abortion, mass war, mass this, that, and the other. And when we just go and we stand on the steps of a Capitol building and walk around and the only person that actually gets shot with a gun is a war vet who's a Trump supporter and a woman who's unarmed. And then the whole crowd of people goes home by curfew at eight o'clock at night. Like it's your side. That's what we have to wake up to. Yeah, I, I absolutely. People definitely need to wake up to that. What do you think? Um, you, you said that it's a like people need to wake up to freedom, like it's a freedom movement. Um, what do you mean by that? What, how is that going to help people in terms of knowing what steps to take and what actions to take? Well, let's start at the most simple level. Um, right now, especially now, people are starting to get past this. But up until about six months ago, I couldn't have a conversation with somebody unless they were really strong where they wouldn't say, oh, but you know, you can't say that. You know, they would talk about just, just basic conversation or they were taught we're sitting at a coffee shop and they want to say something positive about Trump or they want to say something against abortion. And you notice their voice. They kind of go into a whisper because they don't want people to hear that has to end. That is where their freedom is being taken. Freedom of speech, freedom to be able to speak your voice. So I think number one is people need to get sick and tired of monitoring themselves. That's what the left has been able to do is get us to monitor our own speech to self to self-censor. So stop self-censoring, stop being proud. And I'm saying this to the businessmen who are 30 to 60, stop being proud of you being in the silent majority. 
that's that's the wimpiest thing that you could possibly say because if you're in the majority then be loud about it because the reason that we're in this bullshit is because you've been silent so my message number one is an easy one speak your mind without self-censoring i think that's that's step number one because then when everybody's saying it all of a sudden like you don't have fear anymore you're giving each other permission to tell the truth mm-hmm. yeah totally So I still feel weird when I bring up stuff like around, you know, certain groups. If I say, hey, I I don't think that the mainstream story on JFK's death is what happened. There's there's lots of people out there. What do you mean? Like it was in our textbooks in school. Like we know I can't even think of the guy's name. What's his name that killed Kennedy? I was uh, according to the narrative. Oh, no. Oswald, was it? No. Yeah. Was it Oswald or is that? It sounds very familiar. Look it up. Who killed Kennedy? Yeah. <laughs> Kennedy. Um, while you're looking at it, I'll just say this. Like, you know, the thing is, if more of us start to say it, and this is just a historical example, then all of a sudden it becomes less weird. You know, we need to change what Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah. Lee Harvey Oswald. See, I I thought, but I was like, I don't know. I don't want to be Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you know anything about that day and what happened and you see the, the undoctored video footage, and then you see that the the very first news report, they correctly said the bullet entered, you know, his body from the front. And that was the only time they ever said it was the first report. And then after that, all the mainstream got on board, you know, they got the signal like, no, 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 it had to come from behind because that's where Lee Harvey Oswald Oswald was. But then, you know, it's like, but it exited the back and they made this idea or they they tried to sell the idea that it was the bullet did a U-turn in the guy's brain and came out the same way it went in and people bought it. People actually like said, okay, through some crazy act of physics, this happened, you know, well, so, people still think that, uh, you know, the uh, narrative that we were told about 9-11 is uh, the accurate one. Yeah, and, and that, uh, that, that included me up until recently. You'd be so ashamed of me if you knew, like, how recently, you know, I, I came around on that. And mostly because people want to get back to their lives. And that, that's yeah. the other piece of my mission is telling people it's going to take, if you want to win this thing and you want to retain your freedoms and have a, a, the life for your kids, the freedoms we yeah. experience, give those to your kids, you better be willing to sacrifice for it. Um, and that's why people don't know about 9-11. And it's like, okay, huge tragedy, hand over our heart. We're going to be patriotic. And then we're going to go back to our jobs and, and live our lives. Yeah. The thing is, it was a tragedy, but you were sold who the, you were sold the wrong source the wrong source of evil, the wrong source of the problem. Um, and I think the more that people like you and I, Courtney, are, are saying that out loud, I know you have been for a long time, yeah. but it becomes less of a conspiracy or the word conspiracy becomes more along the lines of truth teller. Yeah, well, I mean, I, you know, I keep bringing this up, but it bears repeating. They, they weaponized the term conspiracy theorists. Uh, the CIA did it in 1957. Uh, I hear that over and over. I don't know how they did that. Was it because through like... It was a document, uh, document 1035-960, uh, an actual CIA document, and they did it to avert any investigation to the Warren Commission. 1035-60? 1035-960. That's good. And I want to, I'm going to save that. Yeah. I can send you the PDF. <laughs> well, no, I'll, I wrote it down. I'll find it. That's, okay. that's excellent. Yeah. 
But yeah, I mean, uh, it's to avert any investigation to the Warren Commission. So it was around uh, Kennedy's death. So yeah. Know. Did you read that that book back in school, The Scarlet Letter? Yes. Okay. I think there's a great, you know, lesson for all of us in that where, you know, nobody wanted to take the A. I think it was an A on it for adultery, yeah, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah. But then like she was such a good person. And again, like it's been years since I read this, but I remember the general theme. She changed the meaning of that letter through her reputation, her actions in that community where eventually like other people thought, oh, doesn't that mean like saint? or some other word that was nothing to do with adultery because she was such a, an anchor of that community. I, I think that's basically what I remember. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's what we need to do with a lot of words. We need, especially the word conspiracy theory. You know, it's like, if, if you're somebody that believes in conspiracy right now, it's still seen as, okay, can't really, can't really bring them on our show. You know, Sean Hannity can't have them all that. It needs to become so bursting at the seams with truth. And we're so unafraid that people like, you know, and again, I hate picking on him, but Sean Hannity is like, you know, we got to bring him on. You know, James, o James O'Keefe has been right one too many times, that kind of thing. I, I don't really know how anybody could get through, uh, you know, all the current times and, you know, with their eyes open and not be a conspiracy theorist. I mean, it's, it's kind of pre pretty obvious that something is not right and that there is some coordinated uh attempts to foist a particular agenda uh, oh yeah yeah so I, I don't really know like you i feel like you really have to be either so entrenched in the mainstream narrative or burying yeah. your head in the sand well uh, let, me, let me let me say this about that because i've been around a lot of successful people both in sports and in business and i'm talking about people that have that are really good at what they do making a lot of money and that becomes their identity. Now they can be good Christian believers and all that stuff. But when something becomes your identity and it's also how you support your family. So it's not all bad, you know, to go out and be successful in the free market. That's great. Um, but that becomes so just entrenched in what you do every day that really you kind of, on the one hand, you only have so much time. So watching a little Tucker Carlson, watching a little CNN, glancing at the New York times at, at the gas station, you know, reading those headlines, it's kind of all you get. And then when a big story hits, man, you think you've done a lot of digging if you went and read the whole Wikipedia article. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, that's probably, a, that's an okay, you don't go to Wikipedia to read news articles. But you see what I'm saying? You go to some mainstream source and read the whole thing. It's like, okay, I really know a lot now. No, you're, you're, you're knowing what this, you know, group of uh, this web of deceitful globalists want you to know. You've got to dig much deeper than that. But I, I think the more successful people become, the more likely they are to actually be stupid. And there's a lot of successful people in America. Um, so that's why part of the, re it's partly the reason that you have so many heads of corporations that just jumped on board because it's like, well, this is best fiscally for me because I won't piss anybody off if I wave a Black Lives Matter banner and, you know, like Coca-Cola and all. Now, I think if you're a big enough corporation, kind of like becoming a 30 30th or 32nd degree Mason, like at that point, you kind of know what's going on. So forget Coca-Cola, but I'm talking about the middle, the middle uh, corporations of America, those that are worth less than a billion dollars, but way more than $10 million. Those CEOs are so busy running their company and not wanting to piss off, you know, their handlers. Right. A lot of times they're just doing the bidding of people that if they really took time to do the research, 
they would be shocked and in awe of, of what they're actually going along with. Yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to that. Um, yeah, that, that's interesting. I mean, they're being incentivized right now. So the big corporations, you know, through the uh, ESGs, uh, that's going to force the, uh, you know, social credit and the carbon credit and all of that. What's the acronym there, ESG? I forgot, ESG, I'm sorry. Those environmental uh, social govern governance. Okay. So you get like scores for each category. So the environmental is obviously pretty, you know, transparent. Yeah. Um, we know what that's all about, although it's usually very hypocritical. The things that they give you points for usually actually aren't very environmentally friendly at all. Um, but, uh, yeah. but clearly that's not really what they're concerned with. But then there's the uh, social, which is typically like the, uh, um, you know, that's a lot of the woke type stuff, you know, the social justice warrior type agenda. Yeah. Um, which is all, all part of the same agenda with the money and everything else. Yeah, it's, so. it's definitely all tied together. But, you know, I, I really um, envy people like yourself that have had the time to do a deep Like I asked you, what's that acronym? Now, I'd heard it before. And maybe just my retention is not as good as yours. But there's so many people that have been in this fight like you've been for so long and, and been very knowledgeable. Um, so me having more recently woken up to the, you know, the, the man behind the curtain, we'll say. Yeah, um, I'm playing catch up while I'm doing a show and, and, you know, trying to monetize it and all that stuff. So really when people watch my show, they're kind of coming along the journey of exploration with me rather than me kind of having, yeah. Cause I, I don't have all these answers, but I do have some good ideas based on living. I think a very real life in yeah. many, you know, sectors of society. And what I said about those middle America, you know, businessmen that are very wealthy, but not even close to a Donald Trump level or a Rothschild level, nowhere near that, you know, or a Bill Gates. Okay. Um, the same is true of athletes. You know, there's so many athletes that bend the knee now, you know, for the flag or they held up black lives matter. They, they don't even really want to do that, but it's just basically peer pressure. I've been with those guys. Yeah. They, they have strong bodies and weak hearts and minds. They really do. That's so fascinating. No. And I love that people are going on. I think it's so important to talk to people who are in their beginning stages. You know, again, when you go to this, the notion of splitting where people like want to put everything into categories, everything black and white, and you really lose the human element. You know, I like people are so quick to discredit somebody because I, I feel like controlled opposition has become the new conspiracy theory term. It's a way, and it's, a, it, I think partly it's a cognitive intel, you know, um, it, which is like, it's a it's cognitive in, infiltration. It's a way of like, you know, discrediting in a specific group. Gang stalking is another term. Um, but I think that it's all of this to say, it's just yeah. that I think it's really important to respect that everybody is at a different place in their journey. And the more people who share their like burgeoning awakening experiences, the more we can expose the fraud and the lies. And I think that's so important. You know, people yeah. need to understand like what it is that makes somebody who had no kind of awareness of politics or of geopolitics or, uh, you know, of any of this prior and why are they suddenly saying, okay, something is not right here. And I think that, you know, I would say the Great Awakening will combat the Great Reset. And the more people that start to, and we're seeing this all over the place, you know, you're seeing it in the mainstream and you're seeing it, you know, all around, like everyday people are just starting. I think the past two years have been really instrumental in that. 
contrary to what they wanted it to be. <laughs> you know, yeah. they were thinking it was going to be a really major power grab, and that was a huge part of their agenda. But I think it exposed so much of the hypocrisy and the lies. Uh, yeah. A lot of their agenda is starting to fall apart. Yeah, I agree with that. I think, uh, and I can't believe it's taking taken so many people so long to say, I mean, even back in the Russian collusion days with Trump early on, um, that was a big wake up call for me. It's, I'm like, there's still, it's been two years, they're still talking about it. And all the things that like, yeah, Russia, 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 and then Ukraine, 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 and, 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 and in the middle of that Kavanaugh and Jesse Smollett, all these stories. And it's yeah. like every one of them end up getting proved false and not only yeah. proved false, but proved that the other side had malicious intent the whole time to sell a story. Yep. Uh, to, and it's like people are just now, I think it has taken people having to inject things in their body to keep their job and then being told by the government, oh, no, you're not actually vaccinated. You've got to get two or three more boosters. And oh, now Fauci is saying we're working with the FDA and we're going to get 24 months to four year olds are going to get three boot, three vaccination. You know, it's like, it's taken that long with that kind of crazy loss of your personal bodily autonomy for people to start saying, well, we're, we're about to go off Niagara Falls. That's, that's a bad thing. Like, you know, it's like we, we've been going down the river a long time. It's been there the whole time. And right here we're on the cusp and they're just now seeing that we're on a waterfall, you know? Right. Yeah. That's I don't mean to bash those people, but God, like they should have waken up before now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have, to, I have to be nice. I have to be nice. There's a lot more people that will wake up. So I need to, I need to be friendly here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, I get frustrated too. I, it's kind of hard to believe that there are so many people who are still so in the dark, um, yeah. you know? Because- well, and the other thing is it's kind of like losing your faith. There's been times in my life where I, and I, I'm a Christian, but I've definitely questioned my faith and had, had major times of doubt. And guess what? I'm glad that I did the research. I'm glad I went through those seasons of real doubt and struggle and was willing to even walk away from my faith. I truly was because it made me dig deep into all these different sources, even outside of my Christian faith, you know, books by Richard Dawkins and all this. And I, and I, but only through doing that, was I able to see the lies that were being told from the other side. Um, and I can't even remember where I was going with that. Oh, oh, it's like, if you work for the medical industry and you're proud of your job and you're proud of being a 30 year doctor or being involved with the CDC and you think, you know, we are the center for disease control. And if people don't listen to us, they're crazy. And I can understand why they would feel that way. They went to, they, they maybe went to college for it, obviously, and then worked their way up. And, you know, it's like to loot, to, to disbelieve now the top people in those institutions is akin to actually losing your faith. There would be a major grieving period because it's like I, I was sold a lie that I bought and actually promoted the lie for yeah. years and years and years. So I've got that's where I have to really um, have empathy. Is yeah. there's a reason people are hanging on? No, there absolutely is. I mean, it's a, it requires a whole paradigm shift to you know have your whole worldview uprooted. Um, that's yes. really, that can be traumatic for people. So yeah. I, and where I'm, where I'm just coming to is as well, like, okay, I can be awakened, but you asked me a great question. You said, well, what, okay, what do you do with that then? That's the question that I'm asking everybody is, okay, let's say we get a critical mass of people all awake, but you get the same people in power. You get the same handpicked, you know, uh, people running for president or people, whoever's going to follow, um, 
Klaus Schwab, you know, in the World Economic Forum after he dies at his kids. Like, I don't know. But the point I'm making is like, you can, we can all get awake, but it, to actually overthrow that power structure is going to come at great cost because they're not going to give it up easily. We're going to have to say, you know what, maybe the most important thing in my life this year is not just making sure that my company tops what it did last year, because your children's education is at stake. You know, your freedoms are at stake. So maybe you need to take some of that wealth now and spend it on fighting for freedom, you know, and, and be willing to make a sacrifice. And, and I, I do go back as well to just our basic conversations need to change where if you used to be afraid to speak up for yourself in the fight for, for your own freedom or your bodily autonomy, stop it. Like speak out now because we need you. We, you know, and just by being louder about your own conversations um, is giving more people around you permission to do the same thing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I, I've been screaming about that for a really long time. I think that auto critique, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the struggle, struggle sessions, Mao's struggle session. Uh, Mao, the Chinese yeah. leader. Yeah. Um, I'm familiar yeah. with Mao, not so much. Just, I mean, he created struggle with a lot of people. <laughs> so I'm familiar with the struggle session of all of China during his. <laughs> he did that so, but too. no, not, not specifically. No. Um, but the struggle sessions were uh, very much like the, uh, uh, that version of the uh, auto critique and the uh, censorship. So they created so much oppression and censorship that people started to actually uh, self-censor themselves. Yeah. Um, and they what? were, you know, they basically did the work of, you know, they didn't have to, they didn't have to suppress them. They were suppressing themselves. Um, and yeah, it, well, and, and it's amazing that, that, yeah, that happened. It's ha that's happened here for like 15 years now. Yeah. And I, and I think people have now had kind of enough, most people, but it, it's almost like if I went to the nicest part of town where you've got the most white collar, the, the more white collar you get, the higher socioeconomic status, the more they self-censor because they don't want to piss anybody off. That's the very people that we need to start speaking out. It's like, forget, you know, your hoity-toity country club and not wanting to be the weird guy at the country club. Say yeah. it out loud, you know? Yeah, for sure. So you said, who, who is it that you feel are censoring the most? People that are higher on the socioeconomic, you know, status oh, at the country club. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, if I go to the factory, you know, and I've been in plenty of factories and you got the guys, you know, working on tires at the, the Bandag plant or the Michelin plant or whatever, those guys are telling it like it is. They're not yeah. pulling any punches, but their corporate directors are not telling it like it is. It's, it's, you know, it's typical corporate politics. They, they don't want to say anything to risk offending um, our politically correct nation right now. Right. So what I'm saying is the people that are higher up, they have to start speaking out. It's, it's starting to happen. Yeah. Um, Garth Brooks, he said something on, he was talking the other day and I was listening. It was serious XM. <laughs> and he said something I really hated. He said, my job as an artist is to write songs that piss off the least amount of people possible. Well, that's why you're doing what you're doing now, because, because you know, it makes sense. If all you want to do is sell the most, you know, have, have be promoted at the highest level, never get canceled. Don't okay. piss off anybody. Don't piss off anybody. Okay. But then you write fluff songs that basically say nothing. And I, I don't think Garth Brooks was always that way. I think that he, he became that way. And that's what I mean by the higher level you reach, you know, when you're, when you're in front of one person or two people yeah. that, you know, um, typically you can kind of tell exactly, you know, who the audience is, you know, what to say and what you can't say based on who they are. 
when right. you're in front of a million people, if you're trying to be cognizant of not offending anyone, you will say nothing. So right. that's, that's what I mean by as, as you go higher in the socioeconomic status, you've got more people watching you. You've got friends in high places. All of a sudden you become worried like, oh, you can't say that. I won't say this. I won't offend this. I won't say that I don't agree with Black Lives Matter. That's why that's happening. So because they don't want to offend anybody, but that's what I'm saying needs to be overthrown is that mentality of, you know, like, it's almost like it's the 11th commandment, you know, do not offend. <laughs> that has to stop just at the risk of speech at the risk of free speech. I have to be willing to offend. Yeah, absolutely. But free thought, you- free thought, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. That the thought police are coming after us now. Um, yeah. And we need to say, I, I, I was about to drop an F-bomb. We need to say, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. You can drop the F-bomb. But uh, yeah, I think it was Voltaire who said, I, I may not like what you have to say, but I defend your right to say it. So. Yeah. Uh, did he say to the death, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's what? I thought that was Jefferson, but maybe Voltaire. <laughs> I think it was Voltaire. I think Jefferson. Yeah, you're probably right. You're it. probably right. But, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was Voltaire. But Yeah. So, so people need to stand up. They need to start speaking out. Um, what are some things you think people can do? You were talking earlier about like vetting uh, candidates, you know, especially locally. What do you think are some things people should look for? Um, vetting candidates locally. This is probably a question that I'm not extremely well prepared for. <laughs> not to worry. Yeah. You, um, I said, well, my, 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 you know, one of the main things I said was they should be willing to run themselves. Ah, uh, yes. You know, not just not just vet the candidates. I mean, for me, it's I, you to vet a candidate truthfully. Like you gotta either really study what they have been saying and and have enough discernment in your heart, <laughs> which is gonna for me that's going to come from being grounded and rooted in the Holy Spirit. You know, and it's like that's that's the the main thing that gives me discernment. Now, being well read and knowing where somebody stands on all the issues that takes more work. So you may not have time to do all that work. So you better find sources. And I think there's a lot of of great podcasters out there that can, can help you, you know, people, trusted voices, find local trusted voices where that is their job. That's, that's their job. So we recently, I'm going to be interviewing him next week. There's a guy named Craig Huey, uh, who's got, you know who that is? Yeah, I do. Yeah. 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 So he moved from California to Nashville. Mm Mm-hmm. He's got, I can't think of the name of the periodical he does, but it's, it's like the, the Craig Huey's voting book or something like that, where he breaks down where candidates stand in like all these different areas. Um, now, have I read that? No, but if I was really looking here now, because he, he's been in California, that's why I have it. But here, if he's going to be doing it here in Nashville and in, in Middle Tennessee area, I think it's very wise to, to go and, and find a person you trust that breaks down candidates on where they stand on all these different issues. So you can make an informed decision, not just, oh, OK, they're Republican, I'm going to vote for them or they're Democrat, I'm going to vote for them because that's a party, you know. So yeah. I, I think being informed is important and being willing to run yourself is important. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I do think especially locally, people should definitely uh, start running. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Sure. And I think another way is getting involved with local groups. Like there's a group here. Have you heard of the breakfast club? I have not. No. Okay. Uh, well, your friend, when we met the other day, your friend, uh, I, Oh my gosh, she's going to get mad when she watches this. I call it <laughs> Merovingian. <laughs> <That's> funny. <laughs> her name starts with a C. Donna. 
D. <laughs> One letter off. D. Yeah, Donna. Um, yeah, she's in the Breakfast Club or has come to some of those events. But you know, just being involved in various groups, you know, yeah. patriotic groups, Christian-based yeah, groups. Yeah, definitely want to go. Definitely. Yeah, that are willing to talk about cultural and political issues. That's not like some kind of faux pas thing. I think that being a part of those, you're going to organically become very well because you're aware, because you're going to meet people in those groups who are who are specialists in understanding what's going on at the school board, what's going on with the county commissioner, uh, when those when when those votes are coming up. Um, you know, that's been a huge help for me. But again, like I'm not a, even though I'm talking about the importance of local stuff as I'm trying to build a platform where I can monetize it, I have to be more involved in, in uh, knowing about things that everybody knows about because then you can have more of a national you know platform yeah what are some of the things that the biggest things that you see plaguing the, the country right now that you feel like when you're saying you, you need to know stuff about the national topics what are the things that are of most interest to you right now this is going to kind of throw you for a curveball but but i think people taking an inward look first so we talk about the deception that's going on out there, out in the world, outside of us. And yes, we need to be very aware of it. But the one kind of deception that we all have to fight is self-deception. Mm -hmm. So I think, for, well, for me, when I left baseball and I went through a really dark time, I mean, I'd lost my identity. Um, and I, a lot of the things that gave me those dopamine rushes every day that make you feel like a whole person, you know, that was gone. And I had to really get back to being grounded in my faith and like, where does my identity really come from? Right. Well, here's the problem. I didn't do that. What I did instead was I dove into some addictions. I dove into some substances and sexual novelty and all these things that culture is only too ready to give you and give you for free. A lot of times, right. you know, doctors will write scripts and, you know, all that insurance will pay. Um, I had to really, really get my own life, get my own house in order, get my own life in order, get really honest about, um, the problems I was having and be willing to trudge out of that dark swamp. And it's trudging. I mean, to, to, to walk away from being addicted to things and get honest about it, it gets harder before it gets better, but it's really the only way that you're going to number one, be able to discern what's going on out there, because now you can see clearly, like Jesus said, you know, remove the plank from your own eye so you can see the speck in the other. Now, right now, it's probably like a deluge of logs out there. There's, you know, there's a ton of, of, of specks, but we do have a plank we have to remove from our own eye to see clearly. So get yourself right, number one, so that you can be effective then out there in the world. Because the thing, if you're an addict and you're going into this fight, but you have addictions and, you know, stuff that really you need to clear out of your own heart, you're going to run out of gas because the fight out there is too big. Right. So you really got to make sure that, that your own, like I said, house is in order first. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, that is a big part of my platform is being willing to speak on my own issues and even involved with sex addiction and lust addiction and all that stuff. Um, I think a lot of people aren't willing to talk about um, their, their inward life and not everybody needs to, because I think for a lot of people that would just be, you need to talk to a counselor, you know, you're just trying to air your dirty laundry. I've worked through a lot of that stuff. So, and, and I feel like God has given me, um, I don't want to say license. That's probably the wrong word, but sort of a, a mandate to Jeremy, like part of your platform is being willing to go there about things in your own heart. So I know that that's a curveball answer to your question about what's really going on there that people need to care about. I say, before we can define that, we have to know what we really should be caring about in here. Yeah. Does that make sense? I think absolutely. I mean, one of the agendas of the Marxist agenda is to strip people of personal responsibility. Yeah. Um, 
you know, they're, they're very clear about that. So I think if we reclaim personal responsibility that we would reclaim a lot of the culture and solve a lot of the problems. That's right. Now, now I will speak to one issue that, you know, people roll their eyes at if they're mainstreamers or even if they're, you know, Rockefeller type Republicans, they just, they get sick of it. Um, what's a better word than Rockefeller Republic? Some people would know. Uh, kind of kind of rhino types that, that establishment, just, or, yeah. establishment you know they don't know that much about politics and i'm not talking about politicians i'm talking about regular people yeah, yeah. Okay. um they get sick and tired of hearing about election fraud or election integrity or voter voting fraud on if if we now when i say fix 2020 you may not ever fix 2020 you know i don't think joe biden's ever going to walk out of office i i don't I, sadly what i do think is that people need to become so aware that it was stolen that they do whatever it takes for it never to happen again. Right. Um, and, you know, I'm good friends with Seth Keschel. He goes around the country talking about election trends. He did a scientific deep dive into every single county in this entire nation. It took a ton of work. And he loves that kind of work. So he, he's good at it. But he's able to get up for one hour in front of a crowd. Yeah. And not sell anything. He yeah. just basically says, guys, here was the trend in this county, this county, this. He'll take the top counties that where the election was really swung the whole country. Mm -hmm. And he'll show like this is not only improbable, it's improbable so much that it becomes impossible, especially for it to happen in these swing states, swing oh, counties. Yeah. It's just it's too crazy. I not think impossible. Yeah. So waking people up to that fact, because here's that's the other thing. If if everybody wakes up and we overwhelm the algorithm, but the machines and, and it's set up so that it's set up so that it's impossible. It's all right. It's set up so that it's impossible to win either way. Well, then, then everybody goes home with their tail between their legs thinking, well, I guess we didn't work hard enough. I guess not enough people voted. That's a losing strategy. So that, and I, and I'll leave that up to people like Seth Kessel to explain how that is done. I'm, I'm not an expert on that, but I think that issue needs to remain front and center as we approach 2022 and 2024. Yeah, I, I think for sure. Um, we, election integrity is a huge, huge. Yeah, and, and the left is making it rather easy. I mean, all we have to be, even if we're not really in the know about what happened in Maricopa County or in mm. you know Philadelphia or any, any of those big cities, uh, big counties, I, I think one thing we can do, and I forgot my train of thought. Oh, is point to what the left is doing. The left is trying to make it so that, that illegal immigrants can vote. They're trying to say it's racist to have to show ID. Like it's rather easy right now to prove our point is all you have to say is look at what they're actually wanting to do. Yeah. They're, call, they're calling you racist. If you say you need to have a driver's license to vote. Yep. You know, so that's obviously ridiculous. But it's not racist. If you need ID, you know, your, your to show your card, to show your papers for medical Oh yeah. Well, basically anything else, it's okay to have an ID, Yep. you know, but except for voting exactly. that right there alone should discredit every other argument they bring to the table. 100%. Yeah. And another, there's some basic facts too. I, I, I want all the listeners to hear this one if they don't know it already since 1892, no incumbent president has ever gained a single vote from their first election. Okay. Gained an additional vote and lost since 1892. Trump gained over 10 million, 10 million extra votes from 2016 and yet lost by like millions of votes. So he got like 75 million, give or take a little bit. And Biden got 80, 81 million, the most of all time. No, that, that didn't happen. 
Nice. So nice. just look to me, that was a bit, you know, that's an easy one that people can throw out there if they care about election integrity, but they yeah. really don't know how to talk to the lead with that. Since 1892, no sitting president has ever gained a single vote and lost. Trump gained 10 million and lost in a big, bigly, <laughs> you know, bigly. Yeah. Yeah. Huge, huge, <laughs> hugely, hugely. Yeah. No, it's so, so true. Yeah. I think that that definitely, what do you think is going to happen with 22? I do think there will be a red wave in 2022. I really do, um, which is good, but it also scares me because I think it's going to make a lot of the people who weren't really, they were willing to vote, but they've not been willing to engage in the fight that they'll go back and sit on their butts. Because I, I think that the election integrity issues, the fraud, I think they've got that pretty well handled at the federal level with the big, big elections. But when it comes to the, the, the more, you know, this upcoming is Congress and, uh, I don't want to show my ignorance here. Congress and Senate. No, it's just Congress, right? For 20, the 2022 elections. Uh, well, it depends. I mean, the. Well, what I'm saying, they're more, they're more locally based elections. Mm -hmm. I don't think the left has it so in hand that they're going to be able to fraudulently steal all of that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I do think there's going to be a red wave, but I think what we have to really be, um, what we have to be able to change is the, the federal election in 2024 um, and not at all rest on our laurels if a red wave does happen in 2022. And by the way, if 2022 is lost to the left, if they get a bunch more congressional seats and they take even more control than they have now, mm, aside from some kind of incredibly cold civil war or maybe a hot civil war, I, 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 think, I think it's done. Wait, say that again. You think if you I think, think the left? fight for freedom, if, if, uh, if the left gets more entrenched in 2022, now I'm not saying I'll give up the fight, right? But I'm saying if they take more control than they have now, and I don't see a mass of people waking up, then for 2024, for anything to happen or for us to correct course, we're going to be so far gone that it, it will take a civil war at some level. I said either a cold civil war, which I don't know what that looks like. Maybe a coalition of states saying we don't recognize this president mm -hmm. or possibly a hot civil war. And I know I'm not supposed to say that on a public broadcast, but um, if, if they get that much more entrenched, we're there in order for things to change or, or we can, we can, we can do the thing that guarantees peace. We can mm -hmm. surrender. Uh, well, I, I think that that's really interesting. Do you think there's a chance? Do you think that that's likely that we're going to be engaged in some sort of a civil war? No, I said it's it, uh, it's not likely. Okay. But I but I said but because I think we'll be so far gone if the left gets more entrenched after 2022, especially okay. after 2024. Let's say the left has two, and I could I should call them the globalists. Let's say the globalists win for yeah. two more American election cycles. Mm -hmm. We will kind of self-surrendered at that point, and I, I don't know that there will be any way out aside from. A, a coalition of red states that say we don't we we what do you call that when you um secede almost yeah. like a secession kind of a thing right, right. that yeah. that or a hot civil war is the only way that change could happen but at that point there's no like slowly crawling back and regaining our freedoms no and and yeah. people well, don't I like to hear that you probably don't like to hear that but i i think it's it's i'm kind of the simon cowell i guess of of this <laughs> i'm just i'm just telling it like it is 
Well, no, I, I don't disagree. I just, I don't really see at that point that it's really a matter of civil war because I think that we, we, we have a global issue, you know, it's really that America is the bulwark, I think, to fight the global uh, takeover. Um, that's really- uh, and, and that you could, you could say the same thing. If it's a global thing, then forget America for a minute. If it if truly is globalism, maybe we've got lines that are defining different countries, but it's really just more of a tradition. It's not, <laughs> you know, cause that's what they want. Mm-hmm. Well, then it's the global popul- populism. Mm-hmm. And then it's people that are blindly following the globalists. Mm-hmm. Well, then there, there, there's a fight there. Cause again, they're not going to, they're not going to just give up their power because you know, we speak well, or we sold them on our ideas for freedom. That ain't going to happen. Right. Well, I think it's a, it's more the global, they're, they're trying to usher in a one world government. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So So I get your point. You're saying it's beyond America. Um, And, and again, what I think would happen, here's what I really think would happen if the left gains more, the globalists gain more territory in America in the next two election cycles. I think that we will slowly become a pawn of China and the World Economic Forum in some fashion. And Mm -hmm. I think there will be no fighting back. Um, When I say will be, I think there's a very small chance that there would be any true fight back. And I think the only fight back would be a red uh, hot civil war because the cold civil war, they, they would have too much power for it to matter. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I hate to say that, but I, but I think that's what it is. And if you need to delete this part from your podcast, then you can. <laughs> I know. It's totally fine. Totally fine. Um, I, I mean, I have no idea what, you know, the portals feel about it, but I I'm fine with it. <laughs> so, and I, I don't well, know. you know, that what I'm saying, the reason I bring that up is um, the left is looking for any opportunity. They kind of like January 6th. They want to, they want to find any evidence or anything they can pin, or especially with like, you know, white cops killing black people. It's like, you know, we got, you know, 45 million black people in this country. We got a million cops. And if one white cop shoots a black person, regardless of the circumstances, we're going to like, you know, burn it all down basically. So I, that's what I mean by, by me saying that out loud on this podcast, mm-hmm. they're looking for things like that to say, you know, that, that Jay Slade guy, Jeremy Slade, he's crazy. He wants a civil war. No, I don't. That's the last thing I want. I'm saying that at a certain point when the other side has gained so much ground, it's the only thing it's, it's, it's all you have. It's like being backed against a corner and people have, you know, knives, daggers, whatever you have to fight back or they're going to kill you. <laughs> if, yeah, no, for or, sure. you, or you can say, okay, you know, bind me and I'll be your slave. And that's what they, that's what the globalists want. They want slavery of the masses. Oh yeah. They want a feudal system. That's exactly what they're trying to implement. Yeah. So right now, yeah. You hear me clearly. We're not at that point yeah. um, right now. I think we can fight back with ideas and with creating our own ecosystems um, in, in lots of categories. Yeah. Great talk with two nurses. They, the, 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 you know, I think even healthcare, we need to have our own ecosystem in healthcare at this point. So too. Absolutely. I think we need a, I, I think we need a whole alternative system to the current medical system. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, we need a lot of alternative systems, but the medical system would really solve a lot of problems. If we yeah, had- medical big tech would be great. I hope, I hope that truth social fills a gap that's very much needed. There's a lot of big tech platforms out there that aren't great, but the problem with them, like Gab, I think is a good, it's a, it looks good as a system. It's clean. It's easy to use. The, you know, there's not a critical mass of people on it. I know. 
I know. You know, I might know like three yeah. people in my personal life that are on. Getter, but Getter is a is a Chinese funded. I mean, Gab is actually an American company. Yeah. yeah. So you know, people don't understand that the the problem is it's not even so much where the company resides; it's the laws and the jurisdictions it's under. So right, and funding yeah. plays a role as well. So I would much rather support Gab. That would yeah. be yeah. Me too. But what I'm saying is it right now, like we want to support Gab, but if I post something on there, nobody sees it. If I post something on Instagram or on Telegram right now, a lot of people see it. Now, Telegram is pretty, pretty free speech as far as I know. I don't know where they're stationed out of, but Telegram is also kind of a glorified instant messenger. It's not truly, in my opinion, a social media uh, platform where I can really get to know other people. Right. Uh, you know, it's more of like, you know, there's, there's the speakers and the followers on yeah, that, that glorified instant messaging platform we know is Telegram. You're right. I, I agree yeah. with that. So I, do I hope Truth Social it. fills that gap. Yeah, hopefully. We'll see. Um, I think Telegram is evolving a bit. I, I've noticed they're, they're upgrading some of their features. So I don't know, but I agree. I hope, they get rid of the, I hope they get rid of the bots. I mean, I, when I post something on there, I'll get like 13 messages immediately and it's all like bots telling me about cryptocurrency or truth social or something else they got to get rid of that they do i know and i can't, i feel like i'm constantly deleting i'm <laughs> trying to get rid of all the bots i know yeah I have the, the same problem so telegram is russian which is interesting um how do you know so much <laughs> I mean, how do you know that <laughs> I mean, I'm sure anybody can look it up, but like, you know, where Getters found, founded Telegram, I could probably name like most of the, the, the popular companies in the U.S. You'd know where they're founded. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I, I hear that a lot. People say that. I, I guess I just read a lot. Are you a, gen- are you a genius? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> oh, she, she, she got that. What, what's the word? Not shy. Humble, you were kind of humble about that right there. Maybe, maybe, maybe. <laughs> well, I mean, but you, you can be a genius and not know much. Genius is just a, it's just a level of aptitude, your ability to learn. I'll so. tell you one thing. I, I don't know what is going on in my face right now. My wife brought me some tea. I think I'm allergic. Look at that. <laughs> oh, like, no. I'm like a purple. I look at the first time I look, I look like a plum. What happened? Oh my God. <laughs> Do you, I, I didn't, you I, feel like you look purple? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. I never looked this red. Yeah. Oh no. Seriously, I think something in this tea is going on. I may need to sign <laughs> off here. I'm feeling hot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not mad. I promise you. I'm not mad. I'm in a great mood. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't seem mad. So no, not a bit. I mean, I was passionate, but yeah, my face had normally turned this red. That's unbelievable. What kind of tea is that? I have no, no, my wife brought it to me. Now I mentioned in my little write-up that I had uh, voice issues due to a baseball injury. So <clears throat> before these podcasts, I have to drink some tea because my, I've got very low stamina and I, I lose my range really easily to speak. I hate it. So right now it actually, it's hard for me to talk. Oh, wow. um, and, and yeah, it's hard for me to talk and I'm going into podcasting. Go figure. <laughs> Again, fishes and loaves. You just said, just bring what you have. I'll take care of the rest. Um, I have no idea. She said, I'll bring you some tea. So I took it and yeah, weird. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'll have to go ask her after this. That's it. That's funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I'm sorry. And the truth is, and, and I, you may have to edit this part, but I do, I'm going to have to run here in a minute. It's, yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to let you go for sure. <laughs> I'm sorry about all the rabbit trails. <laughs> what? 
Sorry about all the rabbit trails today. I know I kind of probably got off topic sometimes. No, I love it. I, I'm queen of the rabbit holes. I, I really enjoy them. And uh, yeah, I, that's, that's what I want everybody to do. I want people to like find a little corner that they find interesting and start diving, yep. you know, dig into the research. Because I think that that's where, that's why the first word in my podcast is curiosity. I think, you know, way more important than, uh, you know, really anything right now i think is that people will be curious and have a yeah. interest you know one one thing you did for me by just filling out that little um intro to your podcast yeah. was it said you know what what are you really interested in what do you want to talk about and i think about that often and generally speaking it is it is courage and it is fighting back against deception and creating awareness but those are pretty general terms if i'm being honest mm -hmm. i want to do a deep dive and this is something i need to do on courage itself you know who are the great writers on courage in history um that that is going to be a mission for me because as i'm growing in my platform i want to have my thing where if somebody says you know who's a guy you know that's really great on talking about courage or talking about um you know standing up for truth i want i want me to be in that conversation you know yeah no i i love that and i think what we need right now is more courage i think courage Courage and curiosity are a huge ways out of this mess. If yeah. more people stand up, you know, stand for their convictions, uh, more people will, you know, yeah, rise up and have the courage to do so. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, absolutely. Well, if you have anything else you want to leave us with and close out and tell everybody where they can find you, find your podcast. Yeah, well, I'll close out with telling everybody where they can find me. So follow me on Rumble right now. It's Slay USA. But you can also find me on Instagram. So Instagram, Telegram, and Rumble, uh, J Slay USA. And then I, I do have a website, but I'm I'm always lagging and updating it with the videos. So if you want to catch my content, I'm pretty much uploading a new interview every day right now to Rumble. I also have the J Slay USA podcast. Um, but again, being a one man show right now, I'm late to the game. So follow me on Rumble, J Slay USA. And if you like the content, share it because if I'm going to monetize this thing, I've got to I've got to create more uh, awareness. I, I hear you. I'm, I'm with you on that. So, but yeah. I love that you're fighting the good fight and thank you so much for doing what you're doing and thank you for being with us today. Yeah, thank you. I'm proud to fight alongside you. Awesome. Awesome. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>